An industry that's churning at a rate that none of us want it to, to churn at, will the people in the room be there in 12 months' time? Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm chatting with two colleagues, both highly regarded and very experienced media professionals, who have been reunited for the third time in their careers. There is no doubt that without the looming economic challenges, marketers have already been facing major issues on the media front. Media measurement, ad fraud, brand safety, transparency, performance metrics, and media greenhouse gas emissions and more. So why is it the right time to, as many are saying, get the executive team back together to address these issues for clients? And what unique advantages does Dentsu bring to these challenges? To discuss this, please welcome to Managing Marketing the new Chief Client Officer for Dentsu Media Portfolio, Fiona Johnson, and the Chief Executive Officer, Danny Bass. Welcome back to Australia, Fiona. Thank you, Darren. Nice to see you. And good to see you again, Danny. You too, Darren. Look, um, first of all, you know, you have you, you've departed these shores to go to Europe to uh, head up business development, new business with IPG. So it must have been a fairly unique or, or interesting opportunity to uh, to drag you back to Sydney town, apart from the weather here is so of much course. better. Yes. But, but what was it that uh, got you thinking about taking on this challenge or this role? I yeah. should say role because I'm assuming it's a challenge. Well, all, all good things are often challenges, I find. Um, I think the opportunity of this role and, of course, with Danny again, but also in Dentsu is quite unique. Um, the one thing that a few months uh, in various markets all over the world has given me is a really good perspective on what's around and what's out there. And I've looked at lots of different roles, CEO roles, uh, client roles, completely different roles, client side roles, all sorts of things. And it's been really fascinating. And I think it's really reinforced for me the one thing I love being a part of is some entity that is doing something different or better. And I think that it's fair to say there have been challenges in every business of our kind over the last few years. But I really think that the space that Dentsu is in right now is quite special um, insofar as the opportunity with the people that are here and the journey they've been on, which has not been easy at times, to take it into quite a unique brand new space for clients. And being a chief client officer versus a CEO is really exciting because clients is where I've always been focused. And obviously that with, with people and culture is a key part of that because if people are unhappy, then the clients aren't happy and, and vice versa. But just really getting into the bones of what solutions look like for clients now because they've never been simple, they're not simple now. But all the issues that you raise, which I still think are issues in, in, in places, um, are even bigger now for clients given the last couple of years that we've had. So the challenge is as big as the reward, I guess, insofar as it's exciting, it's different, it's interesting. Um, and what I've seen, so I've done a lot of diligence, as you can imagine, on, on the role and, and the business, is that there's something very special here with a bunch of very special people. Well, I think, you know, you use the word bigger. I'm, I'm wondering if it's that not that they've just become far more complex. I mean, there mm. seems to be more and more challenges mm. around media. Mm. 
than ever before. You know, I, I, one of the ones <laughs> I mentioned is you know, media's contribution to greenhouse gas emissions, mm. which in Europe, where you've been, would mm. have been much more developed than here mm. in, in Australia and Asia. Mm. Um, do you find that clients are really struggling with all these almost layers of, of issues and complexity or are they trying to simplify it and get, get on with the job? Uh, I think they're probably, well, speaking to generally what clients are thinking, I think a bit of both. I think that a lot of businesses, and Daniel talked more about ESG specifically, but a lot of businesses are trying to do the right thing, as much as I can tell, and most people I talk to are trying to do the right thing. It's just what is that thing? Mm-hmm. And ESG is often more than, than, than just the things that have to sit within policy. They're absolutely about responsibility, but then that also talks to social democracy graphics that are going on around the business and around the world that are changing rapidly. So I think that they're trying to have an impact in everything. Um, Simplifying it at times is just not that easy because what I do think is different to the problems last time, um, as in they're not just bigger or complex, but they're not, they weren't as socially driven as they are now um, because everything that's been going on within and outside of COVID social commentary or lack of or whatever area you sit within that means that clients have to consider that for their brands and their purpose, but also their own workforce. Mm. So I think the problems are more complex, um, but in a way they're not bigger, they're just, they're different. They're not just about business as usual, big problems. They're also society problems that yeah. are always, always should be part of our minds because we're corporate citizens, But um, but I think that they find that, we all find that very difficult because they're trying to balance that social need and also belief. Most yeah. CMOs I know are very good people and very smart people, but also with more and more pressure from the board. And, and a huge amount of empathy usually. You know, yeah. CMOs, marketing people seem to be generally yeah. very people-focused. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they pick up on those things. <laughs> Danny, you know, this is really part of a building transformation evolution for, for the media portfolio at Dentsu, but overall for Dentsu generally, this is something that, you know, Angela started two years ago and you've taken this on what, in the last 12 months, haven't you? Well, I've been here three and a half months. Now. Oh, is that so all? It sounds I'm like 12 still, months ago. <laughs> it feels like 12 months. Um, look, uh, to, to sort of echo Fiona's comments there, um, the, the, the thing that attracted me to join the organization was, you know, the work that's been done internally here over the past three years. Um, some really tough decisions have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, things that aren't easy, you know, when you're um, closing brands down, um, you know, we're bigger than we've ever been before, but we've got less brands than we have. Simplifying the message, bringing in lots of new people. Um, though, though, that's not easy, right? That's, that, that's mm-hmm. tough. Um, and, and the work that Ange and the executive team did over that time has created the opportunity that Fiona and myself have have now. Uh, I think the introduction of a number of executives into Dentsu, particularly, and those were the people I spoke to in in the journey on on the way into the business, from definitely not media backgrounds, you know, from consultancy, from client, from tech, um, really interested me in terms of okay, well, wh- where is this business heading in the next three, four, five years? And, and what is it that we can do to solve those problems you've just been talking about? Mm. But fundamentally, at our heart, we are still a media agency, right? And we, we, we can never 
forget that. Mm. You know, we, we're given a, um, um, as, as custodians of client spend, the thing that's probably the second biggest thing on a client mm. P&L. Mm. Mm. Um, as I've said before, you know, most CMOs would say, they are re-interviewed for their job every three, six, nine, 12 months to demonstrate to the board or to the person who signs the checks where that money has gone. And we take that responsibility very, very seriously. Um, most pitches still talk about media in the same way it has done for the past three, four, five years of pitching. So we don't want to change too quickly, but we want to be aware of where problems might be within clients and how we can help them mm. over the next three, four, five years. So does that process infer that in many ways, while not a greenfield, because, you know, you have existing clients that have been mm -hmm. with uh, Dentsu for years and before that, you know, uh, Cara or Aegis yep. or, you know, whatever, but, you know, there's more opportunity because there is less sort of legacy structure. That two to three years really was an opportunity to clear out the things that weren't working so that there's now for you guys as leaders of the media portfolio to, to start creating something that's, you know, new and better suited? I think, I, I, obviously we're biased, but I think we're, we are at an advantage with that. Um, you know, if you think about the maturity within most marketing teams over the past five years, particularly around digital, so you would know this as well as anyone, 10 years ago, all the digital knowledge was in, within the agency and the client was looking at the agency to work with them on that digital journey. That's very different now. You know, you'll have people within clients who are as digitally sophisticated, knowledgeable as people within our own agency. So what is it that they're now looking for us to, to help them with? And we have clients whose marketing team might be four people and we have clients whose marketing team is over 100. So each of those clients have very, very different needs from us. But the one thing that you know I look at with this group is the work that's been done in businesses like Merkel, how close we are to our creative partners and, and, and the work that Kirsty has done really puts us an advantage for the next few years. Because when I spend time with Merkel and look at the problems that they're solving and how easy it will be for us to work with them, to steal with pride or to partner with the experts they have on, you know, on, we're on level two today they're on level three yeah. um no one else has that you know we, we've seen agencies having to partner with consultancies we don't have that necessity we we have that knowledge within our own organization and to see the level of business transformation projects they're doing day in day out with enormous businesses with access not just to the cmo but the CTO, the COO, the CFO and the CEO um, has to give us um, encouragement for where the business is heading. Trinity P3. Merkel and uh, Solutions in Australia is sort of, from my perspective, a bit of a, a, a secret, you know, it's the yeah. secret gem. And Fiona, you would have noticed this, particularly in the UK and Europe, Merkel has a very high profile, amongst, mm. particularly amongst clients, because mm. it really does, you know, represent state-of-the-art in, mm. you know, data analytics and insights. Mm. Was that part of the attraction of, of, you know, while you came into the role as, as Chief um, Client Officer, mm to know that you're part of that broader Absolutely. mix. And, and, and like Danny, you know, I, I met people along the way and, and was super impressed by those people, not only their brains, but also their, 
belief set and, and their intention. And, you know, if if we and I am going to provide compelling, sustainable solutions for clients, you need to know that you have access to lots of different things to be able to do that in an appropriate way rather than trying to badge things on or band-aid them or, you know, that's just everyone can see through that and it's super awkward and boring to do. So, yeah, absolutely. Having that, the scale and depth of the capability um, is was definitely one of the big attractions. And, and they're a great bunch of people. Um, and like you said, yeah. they're just up, upstairs or downstairs. You know, it's much easier than trying to get alignment across networks to do things. It's just... Just being physically, and, yeah. you know, located in the same yeah. area. Though there's going to be a challenge, isn't there, for both of you in educating your clients and the market about what that offering is? Because we've seen a lot of the different holding companies and agencies talk about this, you know, this mm-hmm. growing role of data analytics and insights as a way of, you know, informing media choices and that type of thing. But, you know, rarely does it actually hit the road... And, and come together as a, a cohesive and, and benefit to clients. You know, mm. I, I'd like to name some of the big failures, but I won't because they'll be very upset. <laughs> I mean, the, the first thing for us is talking to our existing client base. Right? You know, we are a uh, an industry that's obsessed with with growth and 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 the scoreboard of what have you won this year is uh, is, is 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 still the thing that we're all obsessed and preoccupied with. Um, but we should never forget, you know, we have an existing set of, of wonderful yeah. clients and yeah. we want to make sure we're doing the, the media side really well mm-hmm. right? before we start talking about business transformation, digital transformation or anything like that. Um, you know, the role of a client lead, um, if you think about that 10 years ago from what it was, from what it is today, that's very different, right? They need to be a, an expert across probably six or seven different disciplines and if we've been bringing in other areas of our business um, around digital transformation, CX, customer experience, the whole the whole thing. So first and foremost, are we doing the right thing by our clients from a media perspective? And at what point is it right to introduce other areas of our business to help them on that transformation? And this is really where the idea of a consulting model comes in. It's not really changing the business to consulting. It's about empowering mm-hmm. the right people yeah. within the organization to actually take on more of a consulting role. But you, you but, yeah. but you look at the the type of people the consultancies hire, right? It is night and day between media and consultancy. And we should never try and follow that model exactly as they do it, because there's something wonderful about this industry. There's something unique about it. Um, the way we help change business the way we, um, you know, we're still, I believe, one of the last meritocracies that people can come from any background, regardless of socioeconomic background, um, you know, whether you've got a degree or not. And we can provide and create a wonderful career for people. And I think as an industry, we forgot that a little bit. So we should always apply absolute discipline to everything that we do and to have a business like Merkel within our organisation and also Dentsu Creative mm-hmm. and you look at the the, the talent that, that Kirsty's brought on board over the past 12 months and then form our own story and you know Fiona will play um, a, a big role in that as we sit down and work out what you know the, the media offering for this business will be in 23 and beyond. Yeah. So um, Fiona what do you see as your role as a chief client officer you know 
really it initially because it's early. I know it's early yeah. days, but you know, because there's there are agencies that have like head of account management and all Which client used service. Which I never agree with as well. Yeah, and, a role and, or a title. And, and client <laughs> service director. Yes. You know, that, which always felt like this is the person that got to the top of the account management team and they needed mm. to find one more step. But, mm-hmm. you know, what do you see as, the, or, or perhaps a better way, is what's the scorecard of success for you in 12, six or 12 months' time? Um, very early days, I, I would say... A general school colour success would be seeing and feeling a pride in our people around the solutions they're providing for the clients. And sometimes that solution is no or or how rather than new things or new stuff, whatever it might be, um, to see them very proud and very curious of that solution, which they are. Um, I think quite often to the conversation around consulting, we get a bit, you know, shiny thing over here, or let's be called this over here in actual fact most people I've come across in our industry are pretty intelligent and, and mm-hmm. they know what to do and how to do it. So they have the capacity, the capability or the confidence to do that. And it's our job as the leadership team to help them do that. So I think seeing people spark with and off client problems, um, which you can see, feel here, um, definitely as part of the job is a key success factor. And and then clients are obviously right next to that. Um, before or after, I think probably at the same time, you know, there's no point just setting down a client mantra and telling people to go and do that. This is more, I think, about being curious around why our people are here and what they're doing for clients and what fires them up about client solutions first and in a parallel timeline, talking to clients about what they really need and what they don't need, which I've always done anyway. Um, and most people that work with me know that I've always stayed close to clients. So I'm fascinated by what goes on for them from a business perspective and an emotional perspective you know they are whole people and mm. they're very smart people and sort of the great mediators of our time between what's going on now with, with budgets and culture and everything so obviously not only the retention of those clients but those clients actively choosing to be where they are at Dentsu um, and other clients who suit our values and we suit their values I don't think it's just pitching on everything but I've never believed in pitching on mm. everything anyway as you know, um, it's about pitching for the right thing. And at times when a pitch isn't necessary, finding an alignment that we can have that works well to show the best of us and bring out the best in them. So that's, you know, I mean, yeah. culture and commerce, if you wanted to simplify it down, right? Growth, which is a massively overused word. Um, biz dev is a very simple way of looking at it, but actually identifying what makes us different, if not better. Yeah, it's interesting because it, when you get the fundamentals right, you know, when you get the people and the offering and, the, and you you find that growth that doesn't just happen, but more opportunities present Absolutely. themselves, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. And yeah, I still think as an industry, sometimes we struggle with either being proud or focused enough to make sure the basics, as we call it, are right. Because those basics are also fundamentals. Yeah. You know, are people happy in their role? Are they doing the role they think they're doing? You know, what's going on for clients outside the budget and the media, which has to be uh, the machinery that's perfect. But I still think at times we forget that in 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 anticipation or chase of something that we think is bigger or shinier over here. Um, so I think, as, as Danny's saying, you know, being core to what we are and being in of media, well, how would we define that media mm-hmm. with, with those clients? And our teams constructing around those solutions is, is exciting. That's why... 
I'm going to do what I'm doing, doing what I'm doing. Um, and success will be measured by that, I imagine, unless yeah. Danny tells me it's something else, which could also be true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just a totally different score. Yeah, but just, I, mean, I think I'd only been back in the in the role for a couple of weeks and the MFAX event at, at Ramwick. You know, if you were a stranger to the industry and you and you observed that day, you, you would see the very best of the industry. Mm. You know, I think 1,500, 2,000 young people, um, you know, brilliant presentations from different agencies around the market, a real energy and a vibrance. Mm. And I think sometimes as an industry, we forgot about that, mm. you know, and, and, and I'm very passionate about making sure that, you know, for the next generation of Australians, they can see media as a, uh, as a real career path for them. And, and that's what we want to achieve here as well. And, and there is, and you've both, you know, mentioned that there's huge talent, you know, intelligence, uh, mm. yeah, enthusiasm that's mm. att- still attracted and being part of an agency. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, uh, you know, I've got the sense that both of you are talking about getting the fundamentals right for media, you know, mm-hmm. really getting the game stitched up. But in some ways, is your interpretation of a consulting model, for instance, in media, the ability to actually solve other problems for clients without it necessarily being a media solution. And the reason I say it is, you know, we have this joke that you'll never meet a social media strategist who's not recommending social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You'll never meet a media channel Mm -hmm. planner who's not recommending a media channel, Mm -hmm. you know, that everyone's selling something. Mm -hmm. And yet we've got to remember, and I think we often forget because everyone gets caught in their wheel rut, Mm -hmm. that... You know, just because you have a particular solution on offer, that may not be yeah. the right one for a client. And that's all they want. They just yeah. want their problem solved. Yeah. yeah. But they also want to know that when they give you a media job to do, you'll do it really yeah. effing well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And you, again, you, you would know better than both of us, most media pitches are still looking to solve media problems. Right? Yeah. The, the brief that we've, we, we would get would be, how could we solve this particular problem? It's not around business transformation digital transformation or anything else. So I think there's, there's, there's two things at play here is when we pitch, what are we pitching as, right? What do we want to be known for? And when we leave that room, does the client look and go, wow, that's something we've not seen before. Now that might mean we're first or last when we leave, but I don't want us to be in that sort of gray area. I want us mm. to be very specific in terms of what we are, what we offer, What's our unique um, proposition? Whatever people stand for, whatever culture stands for, and everything else. The beauty is once you've got into the client, right? Yeah. Once you've got their trust, and then we can introduce other layers of what we want to do and how we can help them. But I think for the next, well, for for the foreseeable future, to win a piece of business will be on media principles and whether or not they can see us being the partner they want for the next three or four years. Yeah. And, and you know, to use a sporting metaphor, if you're going to play Grand Slam tennis, you've got to know how to play tennis. Yeah. Right? But then to be a great coach, you need a totally different set of skill sets. Which is okay? why I'm saying, you know, part of that sort of curiosity of clients at the beginning is also knowing when to say no. You know, we should be first and foremost authentic in what we do and how we do it. So sometimes if the solution isn't what the client may think, then we mm. need to work through that with them as well And in, in in absence of what we might think we want it to be, which we've done before, we've both mm. done before, you know, yeah. sometimes it's painful, but you have to do that. And I think the other thing that we'd want them leaving that picturing is going, those are people I trust and I like. Because yeah. I think that and the, that's the biggest part thing. of what we do is yeah. 
but real trust and like, not oh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're a cool, they're a cool cat. I'm going to hang out with them in the pub. That might be true as well, but just actually someone who I know is passionate about my business has a point of view, and when stuff hits the fan, if it does, that I know they're going to help me out. And and I think we've both, I'd like to say, got a good reputation mm-hmm. within our client base in the past of going. A client knows they can pick up the phone, and we will solve things. And also deepening that into the into the rest of the team. Yeah, and yeah. you know, Sorry, in an yeah. industry that's churning, you know, at, at a rate that none of us wanted to to churn at, mm-hmm. will the people in the room be there in twelve months' time? Yeah, right. And then that starts yeah the conversation around culture. Mm. You know, what is it they are offering people to stay in the organisation, mm. which goes back to that career path mm. that when we're bringing people in, they can see how we're going to better their their career, whether it be to remain in Australia for the next 10 years or is there a path to New York, London, Singapore, mm. Shanghai or whatever it, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, that, that's, that's so important. But going back to your point about media pitches seem to only focus on can you plan and buy mm. media, that's because that's the table stake. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is the exercise that you put through as an agency while the client assesses you for... Do I trust them? Do I think they have mm. capabilities mm. beyond? Because mm. in some ways, mm. if you're in the room and can't do that bit or don't appear to be able to mm. communicate that with any confidence, yeah. Yeah. then what am I doing talking yeah. to you? And then really the decisions are made at a much higher level of need mm. and a more vis- visceral sense of evaluation. Mm. You know, it always amazes me talking to procurement people who make these beautiful scorecards around <laughs> have proven their capabilities to plan media, you know, tick. Well, <laughs> it's really not the reason that people are mm. selecting an agency or, yeah. or a partnership. Well, at best, you might have, what, two 90-minute sessions and a submission. Yeah. And that's it. Trinity P3. Your point about uh, being there for the long term. Yep. I have to say, this is what we've seen during COVID: is this move towards the indies, mm. yeah, because yeah. the owner yeah. will be there yeah. from day one and is likely to be yep. there. Uh, you know, the the big na- multinational agencies are the ones that need to work harder on that. Mm. I, I think we have a when I when I speak to colleagues in in other markets and talk about the rise of the indies in Australia, we, you know, we have a very, very strong um, indie industry mm. here um, and, and more power to them because everyone has to lift the game. You know, we're a better industry if we've got more better players than, than, than weak players. But I think what we've got to make sure we always bring is the benefit of being part of an organisation like Dentsu, right? The fact that they spent what they spent to buy Merkel, yeah. right? An indie could never do that. Right? But we've got to articulate what difference that will make to a client that comes on board. The training, what we, you know, the, the, what we can tap into in other markets, mm-hmm. those are the things we have to demonstrate as well as how we will compete with India as well. And the investment yep. in technology because yeah, that's absolutely. the other thing is mm-hmm. media has become so tech-driven. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I remember watching as you know rates uh, resources for digital planning and buying went up. You yeah. know the effective uh, commission, as some people used to call it, yeah. was up around twenty or even thirty percent because everything was so manual. Mm. 
increasingly it's all automated yep. you know you've got artificial intelligence uh, informing a lot of it mm. reports are becoming almost auto generated and so while the resourcing levels have dropped there is now a greater need for better thinking you know mm. the people mm. that are now running those I mean, as, as I understand it we are top three client in this country for both Adobe and Salesforce. Right. That has to mean something. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the institutional knowledge we have about two platforms. Not just that you spend lots of money with them. No, no, no. <laughs> so that's within within Dentsu Group here. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so both those platforms are heavily used by a large portion of clients in this mm. of businesses in the, in this country. We've got to find a better way of articulating that as to how we can help them on that journey. Mm-hmm. You know, as as we know. Uh, MarTech was seen as the saviour for everything. A lot of clients have spent a lot of money investing into that side of, of their business. How do we help them yeah. with that? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if um, you guys are, you know, let's, let's just touch on some of those challenges that uh, you know, are going around at the moment. I'd love to get the perspective that uh, Densun Media Portfolio could bring and, and you guys personally as you know, the leaders of that. So the first one is this um, this whole you know lots of discussion around media measurement. Is it uh, is it attention? Are we still doing uh, engage? You know, is there some need for engagement, or is, are the old measures still suitable? What do you what's your attitude towards the media measurement discussion? I mean, well, I can talk to what I've seen in the last three months, and you know, the, the the traditional way of measuring is still prominent. From most clients, right? We're still looked at from a CPM perspective and reach curves within TV buying and similar metrics of, of CPA within digital. Um, undoubtedly, people are talking to us now about attention metrics, and, but th- there's not the enormous change in terms of what we're held to account on just yet. But if I look at what we're being asked to do moving forward, there is certainly a swing. Mm-hmm. And this is where you need to constantly be thinking forward, don't you? Correct. Of what the impact will be. And that, that diversity of thought and bringing new people into the business that can have that conversation, that understand where those metrics are heading, is absolutely critical to us. Because we need, you know, the, the position of trusted partner is mm-hmm. thrown around a lot. But what does that really mean? And for mm-hmm. me, it's when the marketer, as someone in his or her team, has that question. We have to be the first people they call, mm. right? When when that white paper has to be written, and there's that presentation, when there's a uh, meeting with the board, we want Dentsu to be first call, mm. right? And to, in order to do that, we have to have people who have that view on where the industry is heading. Okay. So, what about from the industry point of view of ad fraud? Because I know you know um, uh, invalid traffic, and and you know it comes under a lot of other terms, but. Yep. There seems to be, well, you know, parts of the industry will say it's all under control and, and I've read reports where it's less than 2%. There's other people like Augustine Fu out of the US who says there are some clients that more than 50% of their programmatic spend is, is actually not actually being seen by a human being. Hmm. Do you think the industry needs to do more around this or do you think it's something that's relatively under control? Uh, look, I probably can't talk for the industry, mm-hmm. um, but I do think if you look at what each of us, each of the holding groups have done over the past few years, it's been right at the top of priorities to get this right. Um, as I was saying earlier, 
more and more clients now have digital expertise within their organizations. So the level of conversation has risen dramatically. Um, from a Dentsu perspective, you know, we choose our partners very, very carefully. Um, we are held to a high level of account with every client. You know, in my first three months of meeting everyone, you know, that's been a topic of conversation. And we go through in forensic detail who we work with, why we work with them, and the results that we drive for our clients. Um, it is a very, very messy ecosystem. There's mm -hmm. no question about that. And, you know, we try and be the guardians of that. And you look at some of the largest tech companies in the world and the billions they have and the resource that they have at their disposal, and they can't solve it all, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, now we have a better local supply of inventory. You know, maybe yeah. four or five years ago, we were heavily reliant on um, on the global exchanges. Um, we've got a healthy supply of local inventory now. We can work with local media owners much more closely than we ever could with with exchanges. So look, it's 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 a watching brief. Mm. You know, for for every person globally who's trying to stop this, there's probably ten trying to create ways of fraud, bots, and everything else. Oh, so the, the, in, an infinite number and it, of and infinite, bad actors, and there's you know, and, and they will continually try and do that. Yeah. But to the point around the benefit of working for a global organization, when you spend the hundreds of billions of dollars we do globally, that gives you a much better seat at the table, mm. right? And it gives you much more um, authority and, and, and control in terms of inventory and where we get it from. Trinity P3. I just want to pick up on something you just said about when you joined Dentsu and the people you were talking to. Do you think part of that is the Japanese culture or the Asian culture of Facebook, particularly in Japan, you know, where you never want to be in a situation with a client where you have a loss of face? Mm. You know, you always want to be the person that is mm. their trusted advisor that mm. they can 100% rely on. Because I know it's such a big thing. And, and it was quite a few years back, but when the chairman of Dentsu had to apologise to the chairman of Toyota Motor Corporation mm. for some transparency issues. Mm. And these are right. people that went to school together. Mm. They'd known each other for a lifetime. It was such a loss of face. But the changes that occurred throughout Dentsu Japan mm. was because no one ever wants that to happen again. Has that been something that's... Uh, it's certainly it's not been something I'm aware of, right. but you know we we are um, ever more getting closer to our Japanese heritage and, and embracing that, and and maybe that's a result of it unknown. Um, yeah. But but no, I, I think um, whether we are part of of Dentsu or not, I think that's that's a basic prerequisite we have to offer every client. It's it could be easily become lip service. Yeah. It could. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, it yeah. is. But, I, you know, because the easiest thing in, in a pitch is to say, yes, we have this covered. You know, we yeah. are 100% transparent within yeah, reason. You have to we're, we're absolutely on top of that yeah. fraud within reason. We're, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're um, doing everything possible to make yep. sure that we've uh, got 100% mm. attribution on media spend within reason. Mm. You know, that there are a lot of things said. I think, I think you've got to have an intelligent conversation about reality, right? I think from my experience, briefly, I think there's a very, very deep culture of respect and value within the Dentsu business, whether that's the Japanese heritage, and I'm not going to comment on, a, on other countries that I don't know that well, but I get a very strong sense of 
purpose and um, respect within the density business, mm. which I think is great. Um, and I, this way of being just become more dynamic and faster anyway as it continues to evolve. And so I think whilst we're consulting or advising clients on what they do and they don't do, I think anyone that tries to rush ahead of it and says we're 100% perfect is probably not across enough to know mm. that. Um, or that it could not be true, but then in parallel to be very honest and upfront about things like risk registers and risk appetites and making sure that the CMO has all the equipment they need to go into a board meeting fully armed, whatever that might look like, mm. because there has to be, in, in the fight to get ahead of it and control as much as possible of it, there also has to be this sort of reality allowance, but know what that looks like. So to your point, mm. not going, oh, we think it's okay or not, what is the risk appetite in this space? How much can we agree we can't control together? And within that area of control or lack That's of... That's a great way to look at it. What, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's then making informed decisions. Yes, you know, let's, yes. let's talk about, well, what are the risks? Yeah. What are the downsides? What are the upsides? Yeah. Yeah. If a client comes to us and says, we're launching this new product and we want to achieve a CPA of X, yeah. then it's, it's on us to say, well, the only way you could potentially get to that is to go into environments which we don't believe are safe. So yeah. what is your risk tolerance yeah. on that? Yeah, exactly. And, and the number of clients that have signed uh, non-disclosed programmatic deals with their agency, why? Because they were told you'll get a cheaper inventory yeah. if it's non-disclosed as opposed to mm. fully disclosed. Now, have they made an informed decision? Maybe, maybe not. They've mm. certainly made a decision yeah. that they may not necessarily be completely aware of what mm. the downsides are. I don't think many, yeah. you know, a number of years ago there was a fear through the industry about in-housing. Yeah. And what we found is the clients that have in-house, we're still talking to them in, about digital in the same volume we always have, but maybe in a different way now. So, so overseas, not so much in Australia, but overseas, we're doing a lot more extended workbench, they call it, which is where the agency are actually putting their team in-house. Mm. Yes. So rather than building their own team in-house, the agency has their traditional team yeah. and they bring people to put them into the client's organisation yeah. and even more importantly, can rotate them through. Mm. We used to do that in yeah. in London in um, Havas back. But in it day. also, I suppose, it also goes to the employee proposition, mm. right? We we are in a candidate short market. There's there's no question about that, and those candidates who would once you know look at Dentsu and other holding groups as an employer, now look at the Indies, but also look at consultants, look at big tech, maybe not as much as big tech yeah. um, as, the, as, as they once did. So, you know, what is it that they, they want from us? And is it secondment into a client? You know, one of the things that we're really trying to champion within Dentsu is coming to the organisation and spend a year working in every different area, mm. right? And then after that year, where, where do your strengths actually lie? Where are you most drawn to? And if you've got three months within media and all these different disciplines, maybe a stint in creative, a stint in Merkel, and what we believe is almost like a media MBA at the end of those 12 months, yeah, then you're right. going to be a much better formed media professional. And then we'll put you in the areas that you want to, you want to drive um, your career forward with. You can learn so much in this industry. And I think that at times we forget that. And, and some of the talent that's probably come in through COVID period as well have, have missed out on the community that you can create when you're all together. Mm. And, you know, whatever about office and work from home kind of stuff. But, but generally... 
it's not all bad sometimes being together in an office. You can have fun, you can have ideas, you can spark. And also you get exposed to lots of different types of people doing yeah. different things. And I think that sense of sort of opportunity and discovery yeah. is a really beautiful part of our industry. And sometimes we forget that. And love there to be, you know, because all of all the stuff we're looking at is pretty heavy right now, right? It's still yeah. the same challenges, bigger challenges, more complex challenges. Everyone's doing more um, within all of that. There's also a really lovely lightness um, and insight to what we do. It's very human as a communications business, as, as a media business. And I think getting some of that back into how we work within our industry will help with all the talent challenges mm. that we have, but also remembering that it's not all bad all the time. Yeah. Well, I think um, we started this conversation, Fiona, with you talking about, you know, your focus on people and those people being the clients, your team in, in-house. I think that's... You know, really, we've come full circle because, uh, uh, in a way, it's about building, understanding people's needs, and then building the flexibility to be right. able to actually accommodate. Whether right. it's your clients, yeah. and they certainly have a big mm. long list of of things yeah. they want to achieve, but also the talent that you're wanting to attract and keep. Yeah, and it's not easy. We won't always get it right, but we'll, we'll try very, very hard. Yeah, and and both Fiona and I are very passionate about opening that, opening up. The, the catchment, right? Mm. There's a lot of people, if I put my un- unlimited hat on, you know, there are a large amount of Australian school leavers who have no idea what media is, mm. right? Who mm. genuinely do not know how ads oh. appear in, in the way that they do. But, you know, they are resilient. They could hustle. They mm. know the value of a dollar. Mm. And we've got to make sure um, the people we employ best represent the people who buy our clients' products, yeah. right? And... There's a there's a big opportunity for us here to help solve maybe a societal problem and a business problem at the same time. But when I hear figures like the 1,600 digital jobs vacant in Australia right now, we ain't going to solve those by recruiting in the same way we always have. Mm. So as much as a challenge is an opportunity mm. to um, you know have a workforce force that um, reflects modern Australia. I also like the idea of recruiting out of high school because yeah. I think too much emphasis is put on universities having the capabilities mm. and the you know the industry understanding yeah, yeah. Mm. to be able to take someone out of high school and in three years make them job ready. I yeah. think I still think there's a yeah. huge opportunity here. I've spoke and, to grads who've finished media degrees who don't know what a CPM is. Yeah. Well, and to, but to the point, one of I think, Danny, you mentioned like an MBA, you know, if you yeah. walk through this, you know, I mean, it's almost like once you've done this mm. and you've got to a certain point in your media career or in your advertising career, then's the time to go and do an MBA yeah. to really give you mm. the commercial context mm. that is often missing in conversations around marketing. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, with, with the new working environment, you know, we came through an era where it was five days a week. You had a very sort of rigid, rigid career path, but you would be surrounded by people who've been in the industry for 20, yeah. 30, 40 yeah. years. So yeah. If, yeah. If, if you're in strategy, you'd be sort of figuratively at the knee of someone who'd probably been doing strategy for 20, 30 yeah. years, and you would pick that up because you'd hear those conversations day in day. Same mm-hmm. with investment, same with everything else. With a, with a more fluid working environment now, how do we make sure that training and that development continues when you may be in the office two days a week 
or three days a week or never, mm-hmm. right? So we're, we're all trying to figure this out, but, but I, I am a firm believer in we have to have anchor days in the office, particularly for the younger people to, to learn the industry. Yeah, yeah that's why I, I say to people, it's not work from home or work in the office. It's having flexibility that mm, fits absolutely. in with their needs and expectations. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. We're, we're sort of, our ecosystem, you know, we have media partnerships, yeah. right? So how do we continue to meet with the media partners face-to-face, People not just on, yeah. on Teams, and likewise with our clients as well? Yeah. Look, uh, the time's just got away. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Fiona Johnson. Great to see you back in Australia. And thank you, Danny Bass, for your time. I do have a question for both of you. You know, we're sitting here and I know industry awards aren't everything. But come on, how many years before one of the dents in media portfolio is up there as the MFA Agency of the Year? (laughs) 